الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله قال الله تعالى ولوطا إذ قال لقومه أتأتون الفاحشة ما سبقكم بها من أحد من العالمين صدق الله العظيم Respected ulama, elders and brothers in Islam, mankind has been created upon what is known as fitrah. This word fitrah, if we translate it, there are different translations, natural disposition, nature, temperament, constitution, inner character. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, فِطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَدَيْهَا That this nature of creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created mankind upon. لا تبديل لخلق الله 
Nothing will change the creation, the nature, the disposition upon which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created mankind upon. And from amongst this fitrah, this natural disposition or creation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set forth, is that there are two very distinct gender roles. There is the role of a man and there is the role of a woman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spread out on the earth men and women. Whether we look at it from a biological, physical perspective or whether we look at it from an emotional perspective, there are very clear distinctions between a male and a female. In fact, if we take one step back, right at the scientific cellular level, a cell is created of X and Y chromosomes. A female in its cell will have two X chromosomes and a male will have an X and a Y chromosome. So even before we get to the human being as we know the shape and the physical differences between a man and a woman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine system of human beings, that matter, is that a male has got a different genetic makeup to a female. Nowadays we are finding that there is a major shift when it comes to the gender role. On the one hand, we have the issue of gender role being turned upside down. On the other hand, we have a gender orientation issue where people are becoming confused. Am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I neither? And irrespective of their physical makeup, the world is expecting them to identify with whichever gender they feel most comfortable with. So that is the second issue. And the third issue is that the attraction between opposite sexes is now being challenged. Well, it's always been challenged for, for many years, but now it is becoming normalized that members of the same sex should be able to be attracted to one another. They should be able to live with one another as man and wife. Now these are difficult topics. These are challenging topics. Sometimes we want to stay away from them because we become uncomfortable to talk about them in these settings. It, we, we talk about them with our young children. But there is a very clear process that is in place right now. Un to normalize all of these issues in society. And children are being exposed to this way of thinking from a very young age. Those children who are exposed to the television and the social media and the different types of programs that are out there, they are being exposed from a very young age. And if as parents we are not careful what we allow them to watch, then definitely without certainty children as young as three, four, and five years old are being exposed to the LGBTQ agenda. So inshallah today, if time permits, we'll discuss one of these aspects. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah we can discuss the other aspects. But we find drinking, gambling, alcohol, stealing, then the right or wrong of it is not being forced throughout the world. Yet you will find when it comes to this particular issue, attraction between opposite or same sexes, 
it is being formed and the expectation is that firstly we should tolerate it and secondly everybody, all humans should have the free choice which way they would like to go. So we need to speak about it, we need to educate ourselves. We need to make sure that our children, as they grow up, particularly as they get into their teen years and older, they are prepared for this onslaught that is coming towards them suddenly. You see, if you take something like alcohol, in many countries of the world, it's legal to drink alcohol. But there are restrictions. You have to be over a certain age to drink alcohol. Alcohol can only be consumed in certain places. Sometimes alcohol can only be sold, purchased during certain times and under specific regulations with a license. So there's a restriction on this particular vice. There's a restriction on this particular vice. While it is permissible, if we take our country as well, it's permissible for a person to drink alcohol. It's not against the law. But it's not being promoted to three and four year olds. They are not being told that you should have the free choice as to whether you wish to drink alcohol or not at that age. Yet when it comes to the gender issue, the expectation is that three, four and five year old should be able to decide what their gender is irrespective of their physical makeup and what their attraction is going to be whether it is the natural disposition that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them upon or not. So the on sexual orientation. What does the Qur'an and the Hadith have to say about it? And here we will find that it is absolutely clear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about وَلُوطًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ That Lut alayhi salam, he mentioned to his people that are you bringing this type of fahisha, this type of moral degeneration, this type of filth? This was unprecedented in all of the worlds prior to this. And if we look at it today, whilst homosexuality has been around, the way it is being promoted and the way it needs to be accepted is unprecedented. Whether it's at a school level, whether it's at a college level, whether it's at a workplace level, whether it's at a government level, whether it's at a community level, it is being promoted. So, Ruth Ali Salam says that you come to women, you have desire, sorry, you have a desire for men as opposed to women. This is what you are doing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on account of this particular sin destroyed the people of Lut Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has mentioned that one of the things I fear most for my ummah is that they get involved in the actions of the people of Lut That is homosexuality. In another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not even bother to look at those people who approach men men who approach men. And then the hadith said that Allah's curse is upon those people who carry out the action of the people of Lut So it's very clear. The Quran and the hadith are very clear and there is ijma', there is unanimity of the ummah over 1400 years. All of the ulama are very clear that there is no space 
for same-sex relationship in Islam. So the question that we how did we get here? As a society, how did we get towards something which is against the creation, the fitrah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us upon? And it's important for us to ponder over this. The one argument that people make is that individuals are born with this particular desire. So if you research the evidence as yet, that people are born with this particular desire or attraction towards members of the same sex. There's no conclusive evidence. If we were to suppose that this was the case, it does not change the sharhi hukam with regards to this particular vice. The overwhelming majority of men seated here today have an inherent attraction towards members of the opposite sex. That is what we are born with. That is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us. But there are restrictions. A person cannot fulfill his desire with any female at any point in time. So we have these desires. In fact, forget fulfilling one's desires, even looking at a member of the opposite sex is not permissible. So each and every one of us here seated, we have to battle this on a day-to-day basis. Other people may have other desires, other weaknesses. A person may have a problem with anger. He gets angry very quickly and he abuses the rights of people because of that anger. So can we now say that this person has been born with this particular weakness, therefore he is excused from a shari perspective. In anger when he issues talaq to his wife, we will set it aside. In anger when when he says something to somebody else and he hurts their feelings, then that person does not have to say or do anything. He has to accept that this person has an anger problem because that's what he's born with. No, we will not say that. So likewise, if we were to suppose that a person has this desire within them, then even with respect to that, it is the requirement of that person to control them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take us to task for those desires that we have that we do not act upon. In fact, ulama have mentioned that if a person has a desire to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he holds himself back, then that person is going to be rewarded. So we need to understand that Islam and Sharia is unequivocal on this particular issue. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا That it's not befitting for a believer, men or women, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed a matter that they have a choice in that matter. I may have this physical attraction to the same sex, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has categorically made it haram. Therefore, I need to refrain myself. But if we look at it in a different angle, how did society get to this point? And one theory is that this bayhayai, this lack of modesty, this obscenity that we see around us, which has really taken it to a different level in the last 40 or 50 years, this contributes towards these unnatural desires that people have. What does this mean? This means that if you look at a hundred years ago, the level of modesty in society, even in the non-Muslim society, was at a different level. Women would not go out uncovered. Even their hair would be covered. If a woman, a small amount of her flesh, her ankle for example, that would be too much 
much for society. Yet today we walk past billboards where women are wearing barely anything. It has absolutely no effect. You would to have this obscene and perverse culture. And it has raised the bar of satisfaction that we are looking for. And when this bar continues to be raised, then we look for more and more unnatural avenues till we get to a point where the natural fitrah, the disposition that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us with, we surpass even that value. So the solution for us, respected elders and brothers, the first solution is that we need to understand these issues. We need to educate our children and our families on these issues. Realize that there is definitely a targeted onslaught to normalize this way of thinking. And what's even scarier, Muslim group that are looking to advocate the fact to be Muslim and homosexual. It is okay to be Muslim and gay. Really, brothers, it's difficult to talk about these terms in, in the Musallah, but we need to speak about it. So, it's impossible for us to be Muslim and gay, Muslim and homosexual. So that's the second thing, we need to be very clear with ourselves and our family, that this is not okay. The third thing is we need to reassess this level of modesty in our life. The, the behayai, the lack of modesty is what is pushing us as a society towards these types of practices. So we need to go back to that fitrah. We need to go back to that level of modesty where we protect ourselves. Because if we don't do that, then our progeny, our children, they will end up in a situation where they begin to think in the same way. So that is the third thing. The final thing that I wish to mention as our time has run out, and, and and like I said, this is something that you know we need to spend a lot of time discussing. Is that we we live in a country where we can't say and do certain things because there is there are laws and regulations that are in place. For example, on the LGBTQ issue, this is there is a strong sense we may be seen to discriminate against people if we approach it in the wrong way. So we need to be clear, as believers, we do not discriminate against anyone. We are fair to everybody. We have respect for everybody, irrespective of their religious orientation, their sexual orientation, their crime that they commit. We find that Rasulullah he lived with respect for all the good. But we need to understand what is right. Sometimes we may find ourselves in a difficult situation in this country, in our workplaces, in our request to support these initiatives. So how do we deal with that? We need to understand that from an Islamic perspective, supporting a haram is a sin in itself. Supporting a group that is promoting haram is a sin in itself. So we should not ally ourselves, we should not be involved in those activities where we support, for example, homosexuality or gay pride or LGBT LGBTQ, etc. As far as possible, particularly when we are in our public spaces, we should not be supporting that because that is a sin in itself. So respected elders and brothers in conclusion, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us upon a certain fitrah, a natural disposition. And that natural disposition at the start, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created men and women with very different biological, emotional and genetic makeups. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created different roles. However, this norm and this fitrah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us upon is now being challenged. It is being challenged in our community. And sometimes it's being challenged from within. So there are three issues that we need to look at. And we've only been able to discuss the first one, which is same-sex orientation or same-sex attraction. People that are born as men but believe that they are women and vice versa. Or sometimes they believe they are both. Or they are not sure. In fact, in different parts of the world, you got an option to say, I'm a man, I'm a woman, or I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're not sure about. But you're a man, you're a woman, or you're not sure. And the third issue is the role of different genders. That this is being changed, challenged. What is a man supposed to do? What is a woman supposed to do? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq to understand this particular topic. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to hate our children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our children and our progeny from the fitna. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد عي على الصلاة صلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر إلا الله الحمد لله القائل يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون فنحمده حمدا كثيرا كلما يحمده الحامدون ونشكره شكرا جميلا كلما يشكره الشاكرون ونشهد أن لا شريك له شهادة يوم لا ينفع مال ولا بنون ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمدا عبه الأولون والآخرون صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه صلاة وسلاما دائمين متلازمين إلى يوم يجمع الأولون والآخرون أما بعد فيا أيها الناس أنسيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله فقد فاز المتقون فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله ولتنظر نفس ما قدمت لها خبير بما تعملون وعن أبي ذبل ومعاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق الله حيثما كنت وأتبع السيئة الحسنة تنفها أو كما قال عليها أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين أقول قول هذا فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد فتنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهدي ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله قال الله تعالى بعدين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات
قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أرحم أمتي بأمتي أبو بكر وأشدهم في أمر الله عثمان وأقضاهم علي وفاطمة سيدة نساء أهل الجنة والحهل الجنة وحمزة أسد الله وأسد رسوله رضي الله تعالى عنهم وعن كل الصحابة أجمعين اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم انسر الإسلام والمسلم اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اشكروني ولا تكفرون الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين سبح اسم ربك الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى والذي أخرج المرعى فجعله غثاء أحوى سنقرئك فلا تنسى إلا ما شاء الله إنما يخفى ونيسرك لليسرى فذكر إن سينذكر من يخشى ويتجنبها الأشقى النار الكبرى ثم لا يحمل تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى إن هذا لفي الصحف الأولى صحف إبراهيم وموسى سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والضحى والودعك ربك وما قلا وللآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولسوف يعطيك ربك فترضى ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى ووجدك ضر فهدى ووجدك عائلا فأغنى فأما اليتيم فلا تقهر وأما السائل 
فلا تنهر وأما بنعمة ربك فحدث الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم لا مانع لما أعطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجلاء إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم إنا نسألك الصحة والعفة والأمانة وحسن الخلق والرضا بالقدر اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية في الدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم إنا نسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تجه قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهبنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأرحابه أجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين